And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital, like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through. So tell me why you mad even. Hello, and welcome back to Anything is Potable. As you can probably tell, I am not. Sam Jam Packard. I am Jay King, and I will be joined today by a fantastic host, Brian Robb, the legend himself from MassLive.com, one of my favorite writers, a good friend of mine. Packard is off doing God knows what for his birthday, which happened to be on the same day as the NBA trade deadline. So he didn't have time for us. He did not have time for us. Thankfully, we got my man, Brian Rob. What's up, B-Rob? It's an honor. I can't believe Jam left you high and dry for this. Yeah, and he didn't even tell me. It was like, not, not only did he not tell me, but when he did tell me, I got a Twitter DM from him this, this afternoon saying, could you do it in an hour? Could you record the podcast <laughs> in an hour? I have, I have a dinner for my birthday tonight. Like, man, why didn't you text me? (laughs) (laughs) The DM. I just got a Twitter DM. Uh, So so I I don't know what was going on with Jam. But I do know that the Celtics had a a pretty dizzying day. Um, I feel like Danny Ainge conditioned us to sort of expect not much at the trade deadline. He normally had totally quiet trade deadlines. And Brad Stevens came in, first trade deadline. Went out and got Derek White. Went out and got Daniel Tice again. Went out and traded Josh Richardson, Dennis Schroeder, and this year's first-round pick. Not to mention the the 2028 pick swap everyone's talking about. And he still has five roster spots to fill. So, <laughs> by the way, that that. That, that's probably the wildest part of all this. We'll start there, even though it's probably the, the least interesting part. Um, it's just crazy. Like, what has, What do you think comes next for this team? Has it ever had, like, this has to be a record for most open roster spots after a trade deadline, like, or at least close to it. Like, usually you see. I, I was talking, I was talking to someone from another team, and I was like, this can't, couldn't have ever happened before. And he said that when Marcus Saul got traded to the Raptors they had a bunch of open roster spots okay but I, I don't remember exactly how many it was five is intense <laughs> five's a lot I feel there was one year the Celtics it was like the Troy Murphy year where they went all in on like buyout signings and none of them worked I feel like it was like what 2013 like 2012 something like that um and Mikey Moore, Mikey Moore, like Carlos Arroyo, maybe there was one of those years, but this just five, five's a lot. And my get, I mean, it sounds like they're going to kind of piecemeal it together here. I would think Sam Hauser is probably a candidate to get one of those like 
real roster spots if they want to convert his two way need a shooting right that that's a need and then after that i mean 10 days in the meantime do you think jay that like they would any veteran really want to come play because it's really like there's open roster spots but there's not a ton of opportunity to to play on this team right now um and a lot of positions at least with the, the guys they have left over the only thing that someone mentioned this to me um that the playoff bonus and the chance to potentially Ooh. win a playoff round and get a bigger bonus could also come into play because that, then you get a little bigger payday sure. for joining a team that does that. But also if you're doing that, like, well, you could join somebody else. Right. <laughs> that, might, <laughs> that might go deeper into the playoffs. So I, I don't know exactly how that will unfold. Um, I do know Luke Cornett is on the Celtics G League team. Yep. They could probably use like a, a center with size. Um, they, uh, there are other guys that could be at buyouts. Like He's also a drive Robin away. Lopez. That probably helps Luke. <laughs> yeah. Robin, Robin Lopez, like is Derek Favors going to end up somewhere? Um, who else? Like Valentine's up in Maine. I wonder if he'll, he'll get a, like a 10 day or something like that. Um, it's just you know. Uh, I love how type. we're starting with, with just discussion of G League. <laughs> let's, 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 let's bounce right over to Derek. Let's bounce over to Derek White, <laughs> who who will actually be a major part of the Celtics rotation, and who the Celtics gave up Josh Richardson, who's having a pretty good season, and a first round pick, and a 2028 pick swap that still has Danger Cart. Just oh, he's human. Fuming. I just talked to him about the, it. He is not happy. <laughs> <laughs> I was dying laughing reading his tweets about the the pick swap and and in his defense like it could be a major deal oh it could be a disaster um, it could end up a disaster like let's say Jalen Brown leaves and Jason Tatum leaves and six years from now the Celtics stink and they have to give up a lottery pick to the San Antonio Spurs like that would just be tough uh, I think in all likelihood like it won't matter but it certainly could. Six years is a long, 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 long time in the NBA. It is. And but, amazingly, like Tatum will only be 30 at that point, which is kind of nuts in terms of what he's been to leave that line. He still will be that young, that far away. He'll but you're be right. 19, B Rob. I mean, that's true. I mean, my mistake. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. It is. Like, think about like what teams have a guy, you know. That would mean if he was still here, he would have played, what, like 10, 11 straight years for the Celtics at that point? And how many guys do that anymore um, in today's NBA? It's uh, it's pretty few and far between. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think they'll want him to stay. Yes. <laughs> he will certainly <laughs> want him to stay. And if Derek White is a great fit, maybe it'll help him stay. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the interesting thing to me not, maybe not the most interesting thing to me, but one interesting thing to me is that after all this talk about can Marcus Smart be your point guard, um, the Celtics basically went out and got like <laughs> like a, a different version of Marcus Smart to probably back him up and, and just said, you know what? We're not going to have any regular point guards or maybe Peyton Pritchard will play. I do think he'll end up playing a little bit uh, because of this deal. But basically, they're like, we are leaning into defense. We are 
going to have one of the best defenses in the league, maybe the very best defense in the league, and good luck trying to score against these dudes. Now, will the Celtics have enough scoring? I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> but but White is an extremely good defender. Watching his clips on Synergy, I was like, I, I, I knew he was a good defender. But watching him, he's like so solid, so tough, can really guard just about anyone. So I'm really intrigued to see the defensive potential with this group. I assume like their bench will probably be most nights like maybe playoff rotation just White and Grant Williams. There's no weak link there. No, and I think that's you know clearly what they were aiming for here with the the premium they paid in the in the trade package. Like they they probably were looking for exactly this type of guy that you're talking about defensively to, that wouldn't cause a drop off there, but also potentially provide some more offensive ops, upside, or at least be a better offensive fit as a ball mover in any Udoka system. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you, Jay. Like I didn't, you don't think about, you know, we, we see white twice a year, you know, when we're covering the Celtics and, you know, he's a, he's a fun watch. We don't, he doesn't stick out to you a ton defensively, but if you do look at the, the defensive metrics and some of the clips and just talking to people around the league, it's like, no, he is, he's got good size. He can play both guard positions and he takes a ton of charges and just should be able to, you know, he's not Marcus Smart level defense, but he's not, you know, too far off that either from the sounds of talking to people. Yeah. And I think part of it too. So obviously like Richardson's had a pretty good season and I think he was a pretty good fit for the Celtics. Uh, and he worked hard at being a fit. Like I, I didn't always love his game at other stops, but I thought like for the most part, he made good decisions. He took good shots. He shot the ball really well. Um, but I think it's the vision at least is that Derek White will give them more versatility. Like he's bigger and stronger than Josh Richardson. He'll be able to guard up and he'll just give them like a ton of just rugged dudes. Uh, and I think that's part of the vision. And the, on the other side of the ball, I don't think the Celtics believed Richardson could really handle the point guard role. And I think they believe that, that Derek White can. And and so he'll just give a little versi- more versatility on both sides. Um, it's funny, too. Like they're hoping that he'll have a sort of Richardson-like revival as a shooter. He's shooting... I would hope so. Is it, like th- <laughs> 31 point something percent this season from yeah. three? Which is not great. No. <laughs> not, and not especially not great when, when that's been one of their weaknesses most of the season is shooting. Um and so from that standpoint like they didn't get any better shooting wise um they but like white can really pass and he's a good decision maker and i think i think that was one reason why they wanted to have him come off the bench versus richardson versus schroeder is like the level of maturity and decision making there is definitely an upgrade yeah, no question. And I mean, how well it it translates, um, we'll see. But there's a, I would think that, you know, the Celtics second unit offense, even when they've been winning greatly, like has gone through some pretty rough offensive stretches. And that's for a variety of reasons. But I think a big part of it was, you know, there wasn't the ball movement with those guys on the floor wasn't great. And so White, um, as I said, like, he's a really good passer. He can run the pick and roll well, something that you know Richardson can really do effectively. And if he's able to 
get good shots for other guys in that second unit, whether it's, you know, Pritchard, if he can play now, or Grant Williams, or, I mean, we'll see uh, how much Tice gets to play here, too, once we get to him. But um, that's something that I think should help this offense a great deal, not just in the short term, but the long term, and maybe take some of the onus off of, uh, you know, Tatum and Brown when they when they kind of anchor those second units. And the other part, too, is, like, Schroeder in the closing unit was not a good fit. No. And and I don't think Udoka ever really trusted Josh Richardson enough to really close with him. Like he did it he closed sometimes, but it was it was not something Udoka really wanted to go to. Right. And so I think White in the closing unit will be probably I would assume the norm for the Celtics moving forward unless they use their starting lineup which has killed everybody but hasn't really been Udoka's favorite down the stretch of games. So I think that's that part could be a major upgrade too. Um, if he can fit with that group, if he is a better fit next to Tatum and Brown and Smart than Schroeder was, then that's a big deal and could go a long way toward helping their major, major issues of crunch time execution. Were you surprised by the price? For White, or do you think that was pretty like in line with what a guy like that um, could fetch? I I think the pick swap part of it surprised me. Um, even though, like I said, it probably won't matter. It could end up mattering a lot. <laughs> like that that part surprised me, uh, and I do wonder if Brad. Stevens could have driven a harder bargain and forced the Spurs to just get rid of that part of the deal. But if if you're getting a guy who's 27 and on a pretty reasonable contract and who you think can be part of your closing lineup, then a first seems about right. right. Like, And a, a first that because the Celtics have played so well lately and because they'll probably end up a playoff team and because this should help them with all of that like it'll be what between 17th and 25th that pick right so it's not like you're giving up a ton and the other part of this is we've already seen there's not much room to develop on the Celtics bench and and Grant Williams has emerged as a piece for now and the future um, I think the Celtics are still high on Peyton Pritchard, and I think that's another part of this this deal that isn't going to be like the headline part of the deal. But I think because Schroeder and Pritchard couldn't play together, that really limited Pritchard's opportunities. But now he can play with anybody else in the rotation because everybody else is a plus plus size guard or big man and really versatile and really tough and really defensive minded. And so it just opens a chance for Pritchard to play. Um, so I think that's another part of it. Were Were you surprised by how much it? I mean, a little bit. I mean, just looking at White's numbers this year, you know, he wasn't. It was. I. It's fair to say. Let's. I mean, it's career high for assists, but you know, it's a down year for the Spurs. It's a down year, for, obviously, for him for shooting wise. But I mean, I guess it's just if the Celtics were looking for this type of player, and the Spurs are certainly not a team that's active at most trade deadlines um so it may have been just a situation where you have the celtics if they wanted to play ball here they're gonna have to pay a premium 
to get white and they obviously like white a lot and we're willing to to roll the dice on that so i mean i guess it says like i said the first round pick shouldn't mean much you know richardson i think had a little bit of value around the league but clearly not not a ton if this is what they wanted and to i do think they him. sold high on him too. yeah no question right absolutely like he was playing about as well as you could have expected and shooting at a level that he wasn't probably going to sustain no <laughs> um and and so they sold high on him um but he was good for, like he was good for them and 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 white will need to be really good to to be worth what the Celtics gave up for him um I I do think that's kind of doubling down on the vision they had last summer when they realized okay Kemba's not the guy for us anymore we have to move on from him what if we go to a jumbo starting lineup with Marcus Smart in it how good could we be defensively with that can we be good enough offensively with that and I think this feels like doubling down on that idea um, and just saying, you know what? Having Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown as two guys who are like among star duos, they're extremely talented defensively, which is different. Like that, that's what separates them from a lot of other star duos. A lot of the other guys around the league that are legitimate stars or borderline all-stars in Jalen's case but like at least one of them doesn't play D both the Celtics guys play D and so you have a chance to build an awesome awesome defense around them and the Celtics just kind of decided like okay let's do that <laughs> <laughs> let's let's lean all the way into that and and if Tatum and Brown become good enough playmakers it can work and I don't think they're good enough yet but I also think they're on the path and the last few weeks have felt like the beginning of them starting to figure that out and white as another passer as another good decision maker as another guy who doesn't need the ball like dennis did to make an impact like that could help them along that path and so I, i'm interested to see what it looks like um i don't think it puts them in the upper echelon of the east still the east is dangerous <laughs> what a day the east is yeah, what a wild day in the East. I mean, James Harden. Uh, James Harden is going to end up being great for the 76ers. Like, whatever was bothering him over the last few weeks that he looked like trash, is he's going to show up and be like, really good for the 76ers. You know that. Um, So, they're, I mean, they're a legitimate title contender, obviously, the way Embiid is playing. And then I, I the Nets, like... Harden didn't want to play there and was playing like he didn't want to play there. So they had to move him. I think like talent wise, they're not as good, but Simmons is really good. And <laughs> him and Kevin Durant and half the time Kyrie <laughs> will also be dangerous. So where, where do you think the Celtics are in the East now? Like fifth or sixth still? Yeah, honestly, it's probably, probably if they're lucky to be, I mean, and like you, Toronto's, been playing really well too like and they i mean I, I know they didn't really do too much today but they're gonna be right there but yeah like you look at you know you mentioned seth curry moving too i mean that the the shooting around durant even if ben simmons is a you know a shell of himself for a few weeks here like they 
they should be if if Durant comes back, they should be able to you think pass the Celtics in the regular season. And then I think the Celtics' best chance here to get up to I think like matchups in the first round obviously is going to be. I mean, they're always important, but this year it could be like, oh, you could either be playing the Cavs or the Bucks in the first round, or like the Nets or something insane, yeah. like some some juggernaut. So if they the, can get, I feel like the Cavs are the team you want to play the most right now. Right, it's the amount of posturing to play them in the last week of the regular season should be funny. Um, if everything's all bunched it, which up. is too bad because they've been awesome. Oh yeah, fun watch, like really fun team. The and rest is great. The rest of the East is just loaded. Like to me, Milwaukee. Philly, Brooklyn, and maybe Miami are like the real contenders. I don't even think I put Chicago in there, even though they've been awesome. Right. And then Boston, Atlanta. Like Atlanta's really good again. The Hornets can really score that thing. <laughs> like the, the East is, it's crazy how good the East has gotten kind of surprisingly and out of nowhere. And then the Raptors have just beaten everyone lately. It's a gauntlet. The East playoffs is going to be a gauntlet. Like, no matter, like... Yeah, it really is. There's probably going to be, like, the a... Nets are in eighth place. Right. There's probably going to be, like, a 45-46 win team in the play-in games, like, which, you know, compared to past seasons is, you know, going to be far better in that slot. So it should be a lot of fun. But, yeah, I mean, the Celtics at least defensively with this move and, you know, by shoring up their front court, we haven't really talked about Tice yet, but you know, that's a, I think that's a, I mean, the, the contracts, I think I'm kind of surprised they didn't get an asset with him, but from a, from a defensive standpoint, I think just to provide some reliable depth behind Rob Williams and Al Horford in the event that, you know, so they, those guys don't have to be overtaxed with minutes and stuff like that. Like that should be a way to keep those guys healthy and, in good shape for the long run while also, you know, maintaining the the defense Ime Doka wants to play. Yeah, I I think that part was important because obviously Ennis Freedom was not a good fit for what the Celtics want to do defensively this season. He's not really a good fit for what any team wants to do defensively. (laughs) Does anyone sign him, Jay? Do you think anyone, like, does he get, does anyone want him at this point? Like, uh, on a playoff team, I should say? Like it's I doubt it, but also like Greg Monroe has been signing contracts this is true. lately, you know. So I don't think NS will help anyone substantially, but I also think that like, I wouldn't be surprised if someone signs him. Um at the same time, he just wasn't a good fit. And this it's Tice is should be a clear upgrade from him, even though Tice didn't really do anything good in Houston for half a season. He fell out of the rotation for like a, what, a 15-1 team here. Like, that's not great. Yeah. Um, so, but but it'll be a much better fit in Boston. They know he's a better fit in Boston. They've seen it before. They, they know he fits well with the Celtics' best players. And, like, if, if – and I think the Celtics have been fortunate so far with – Robert Williams and Al Horford that those guys have been available as often as they've had they have and to play the amount of minutes that they've they have so I I do think you're right like they needed a better depth piece behind those guys and Tice as far as that goes like he'll be he'll be good Uh, the contract thing is just bad to me like that's that's not even 
Like I, I just don't know why they looked around and 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 maybe it was as simple as they wanted a better backup right now. And maybe he's even insurance for like if they move on from Horford after this season, they at least have somebody other than Robert Williams. But it's just a lot of money to pay the third best center on your team. And he has $18 million guaranteed over the next two seasons and a team option the year after that. And I, I just it's weird and i think it's a sign that the the market for Dennis Schroeder just wasn't there like at the end of the day they wanted to move off of his off move away from him and that was their the option they decided was best so i just don't think there were really deals for Dennis Schroeder no certainly not i mean they probably they weren't getting a lot, getting a lot. yeah for sure they weren't getting more than like a second round pick and probably a contract they didn't want back um, in terms of what the, the market was out there. And so, yeah, like with Ty, I, I agree with you hundred percent about the contract. It's, it's, it's a lot of money to be paying a guy that, you know, is, I guess not even, I mean, he'll, he'll play a little bit right now, but to be honest, it might not be, if they get a good wing, like, you know, you might have nights where you're, you're better off going with Al, Rob and Grant Williams in the three-man rotation room on the bigs, kind of like they've been doing. But, um, yeah, like, Tice as long-term insurance at a not a good price, but at least you, you get it locked in and you know what you have there. Um, or maybe, you know, Brad Stevens obviously is a big Daniel Tice fan and, and said, okay, I know he's not earning this money now, but we think it'll be better back here. So, I mean, we'll see. We'll see how it shakes out. But, I mean, it should be a fun story. The, the war on tights is back and um, everyone will be will be pining for him at the garden. It, it's also kind of a punishment to the Celtics for signing Ennis Freedom. Yeah. Because uh, if they had landed on a backup center who worked and who made sense, they wouldn't have felt compelled to go out and acquire someone who's that expensive. And obviously owing 18 million in this day and age over the next two seasons is not a huge contract, but it's just really easy to find cheap centers these days. And you can always get someone on a reasonable deal who can be a totally fine center, which Tice is like, he's totally fine. He'll work. Um, But centers on cheap deals, like that's the easiest type of, player to find I feel like and committing as many resources as as the Celtics have now they'll have Robert Williams making what 13 million dollars next year whatever it is they'll have Al Horford who if they keep him will be making close to 30 million dollars and they'll have Daniel Tice the third best center making nine million dollars and that's just a lot and especially it's a lot because the owners haven't really shown the willingness to pay a big tax bill at all. And so I, I do wonder if the Celtics will eventually have to pay something to get off of Tice's deal at some point or get off of somebody else's deal because of this move. So that that's the bad part of that deal to me. But Tice, Tice should help this season. Yeah, no question. And yeah, they're 
to your point about next year, like there's they already had a lot of money committed to a lot of guys, and I know Horford's contract's only half guaranteed, but you know that's still cutting a guy and having a fourteen million dollar dead cap hit on your roster is not good when you have no cap room, regardless, and are in luxury tax territory even before you let them go. So it's how they manage that, how much spending they're actually willing to do as you go into next season into the tax. That's going to tell a pretty big story about, you know, what ultimately happens with Tyson Boston. But for now, do you, it should be better. Do you think, do you think that Brad Stevens would have gone this route if the Celtics hadn't won eight of their last nine games, like three weeks ago, do you think he was sitting there like, okay, let's add Derek White to this and keep the same starting lineup and see what we can do? Or was that a thing that was influenced by how well the Celtics played while beating up on nobodies over the last few weeks? You know what? I I bet the White thing he probably would have done either way. Maybe he was more enticed to like pay the, the higher price for White, um, you know, to get him in the door to like help in the present and, you know, start building with this group for the future, given it is an under a long-term deal. But it's from time you like, it sounds like, you know, they wanted to, they, they, the team saw, you know, had probably identified some guys that they thought were undervalued around the league. And I assume white was one of those guys. And, and it was kind of clear that, you know, certainly Schroeder was not a long-term fit and, and Richardson had played well, but wasn't exactly, the type of guy they thought they needed offensively. And so, yeah, like, but maybe the Tice thing too. I don't know if that gets done. If, if they don't start winning all these games, because again, adding that payroll um, for the present, and the future doesn't make a ton of sense and keeping how much you love them. But I don't know. It's, it's, it is fascinating though, how much you wonder what this month changed for them. But I could have, honestly, I could have seen them making a move like this either way, I guess. Maybe they they were going to pay a higher price for for White based on what happened. Yeah, and I also think it probably in the last few weeks probably emboldened them um, that Derek White was the right type of player. Yeah, right. Because I, I I do feel like the success of that starting lineup, even as much as it's been against Patsies and <laughs> teams teams that have just been missing everybody and. You know, just a bunch of blind people and and grandmas and stuff. <laughs> um, like, that group has been awesome all season. Like, just rolling opponents. Bu- building 15-point leads in the first quarter pretty regularly. <laughs> like, it's, it's kind of crazy how steadily they've gotten off to great starts lately. Um, and, and so that kind of, I think, probably validated the vision that they had was like having just a huge physical lineup and not needing a ton of creation at the point guard position because Tatum and Brown are going to handle a lot of that anyway. And, and so white fits into that vision perfectly. Like it's just kind of an extension of their starting lineup. They're going to be able to play the same way when they have, what I I really do think their playoff rotation will be seven guys, and they're going to be able to play the same way with tons of physicality and size, basically no matter who's on the court. And and that feels like a big deal to them. They have an identity, you yeah. know? Like, I, I don't know when the last time 
I guess when Gordon Hayward was around and Kemba was healthy, they had an identity. They were just like more versatile than you and like had a lot of size on the perimeter. But now it's like they're just tough. (laughs) They are tough and they're going to stop you and they're going to hope that Tatum and Brown play well enough to carry the offense. And that's just kind of how it's going to have to be. And I don't know whether that could ever be enough, but... I think they'll get to evaluate to some extent what that vision will look like over the rest of the season. And yeah, no, no question. Then see, and then see what happens, and then based on that, you figure out what the next step is in the offseason, Whether you're taking a big swing for Beal or whoever, or you say, "Hey, we can if we just keep building to this, then maybe we we can give ourselves a shot." Yeah, and I also think they have options in the future now, like Derek White and Marcus Smart are pretty similar players um and if the celtics think okay this this is a good plan to have both of them and we can just be physical and we'll have enough offensively then they can keep them both but if not they can move one of them who will presumably still have value because you know every every team is looking for tough guards in their 20s who can really defend and also handle the ball and pass um but they could move one of them for more creation if if they need to and so I, I I do think that even though like White may feel like a little overlap right now, um, like it 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 could work, and it it could be really good together him and Marcus Smart, like they're just two pit bulls. But also, if it doesn't work, they'll have options to go out and get some more creation, um, and some more creation that that's not Dennis Schroeder. <laughs> yeah. We're, we haven't even talked about Romeo Langford. <laughs> I, I mean, I, it, that's kind of a sign of his Celtics career. Unfortunately, it's like he's it's he wasn't around too much. Um, I mean, that's I'm, I don't want to be too mean, but it, it's I hope he gets a chance in San Antonio. Um, he had some moments, I think, sporadically when he was healthy early in the season, a couple points, um, you know, in past seasons, but at this point. Was he just nothing more than a probably a a net like a a bad contract given the five point six million dollars option they picked up on him next year? Like that's he certainly wouldn't get that money if he hit the open market after this season. So, I mean, I'm curious. What, do you think? How do you think he'll do in San Antonio? Uh, he'll probably be he'll probably be fine defensively, like totally solid defensively. He'll probably miss some time due to injuries, and uh, he probably won't score too much. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I, I uh, we're behind a lot of guys there too. I feel like they got a lot of wings. Yeah, they got a weird team over there. Uh, just a weird team. I don't know. I mean, I I, w- I, I hadn't given up on Romeo Langford ever becoming something, but also the shooting wasn't really there. He never even really tried to produce much offensively, which would have been fine if they had like a ton of scoring elsewhere and he could be like a Bruce Brown type. But that's not the roster they had. Like they kind of needed more. And so if they had to give up on one of the two former recent lottery picks, him or Neesmith, I think they gave up the right one uh, and kept the right one because I, I do think Neesmith's potential as a shooter outweighs whatever Romeo can be 
Uh, but we'll see on that one. The 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 jury's still out there. Uh, but yeah, is that was not the best lottery pick. No, it was a tough miss right like, there. The, <laughs> and it, like the Kings just happen to be good once ever or competent competent once ever. That was the Kings pick, right, Romeo? Yep. yep. And. So any other Kings year, basically, that would have been like a top five pick. (laughs) And instead, number 14, one spot behind Tyler Hero, Mm. Romeo. What could have been? (laughs) This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Romeo, all right, let's go. I think we got some some questions from the crowd here. Let me see if I can figure out how to use this audience. Um, Jonathan R., you have joined the stage, my man. What you got for Fellas, us? Fellas, I just got to say... Um, it's nice to have some uh, thoughtful, nuanced uh, takes on this podcast for once. Um, <laughs> um, but I, I miss James. Hey, go unfed- fuck yourself. <laughs> I, uh, I do. I do miss James unfettered optimism. So I'll say I'm going to give it to you. Uh, Derek White, third most charges, uh, I think, like per game or totals in the league right now. They're, nobody's getting up the court between him and Marcus Smart if they're on the court together. I think they're going to hold teams to like, 75 a game. We don't need to score. That's what's going to happen. Also, you're missing you're missing the subtext of this Daniel Tice shit, okay? It's clear the Celtics cannot go a season without a German NBA player, and I think that needs to be discussed. Mm. <laughs> that is true. Uh, those, that is true. Those are my hot takes. Uh, thanks, guys. Thank you, Jonathan. Starting yeah, strong with the takes from Jonathan here. Uh, I, I, a big theme recently of, of the callers has been just shitting on me and Packard, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which I appreciate. It's great listening. I, Come on. I appreciate that. Uh, but, yeah, the, I made the mistake of going on Twitter and saying it, it must have been the first German for German trade in NBA history when really the Celtics traded Tice for a German last season. Mo Wagner. Oh, crap. how could I have forgotten wow. about Mo Wagner's German heritage? Just, just a pathetic, <laughs> pathetic miss by me there. Uh, so yeah, this is the second straight year the Celtics have traded a German for a German, One which has to be the first time right. in NBA that, history. That has to be the longest streak in NBA history. Just two, two seasons straight. Um, yeah, that's. Uh, I wonder what that text exchange is like between those two guys right now. Um, you know, does does Daniel, <laughs> does Daniel get at the locker? Does he get his old locker back? I wonder where Schroeder's going. We haven't really talked about. I mean, not that it matters, but 
you know, he's I would assume he's gonna get he's gonna get bought out, I imagine, shortly here, and then that'll be a fun little piece to watch land uh in either conference. Did you think they had to move on from Schroeder? Because it seems like they were pretty ready to move on from him um, based on the move that they made and the money they acquired. Yeah. It's, I mean, that the, the deal speaks for itself, I think, on that front in terms of, I really, they wanted to open up some opportunity for Pritchard and Neesmith, it seems like, with this deal. And, and those guys were not going to play over Schroeder if he was here. Um, so if you're the front office and you, you know, want to see those guys, then you have to kind of take care of it for the, for the coach. And that's, and that's what they did. Yeah. And I feel like the last few weeks, the Celtics were headed in one direction and Schroeder wasn't headed in that same direction, you know, like the whole team was taking giant strides and Schroeder was a minus 13 and a 35 point win the other night. Yeah. And it, that stuff, stuff like that was happening pretty regularly where when Schroeder got in, things just kind of didn't have the same feel to them. Um, his numbers off the bench were just awful for the Celtics. Just how did he win six? So man? bad <laughs> a couple years ago <laughs> and then forget how to come off the bench. It's, it was the, the splits were jarring. It, it's, it was nuts. It, it 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 makes you think that he just didn't want to make it work when he was coming off the bench. Mm. Like he shot forty eight percent when he was a starter, and thirty six I think when he was off the bench. And like there was just such a difference between him off the bench and him as a starter that it it was weird. It was weird. And I don't think him and Richardson were a great fit. Um, Too ball dominant. Like, yeah. And then he d- he never fit in the closing line. So I, I I don't know if they had to move on from him, but I think they're better off certainly giving those minutes to White and and probably giving those minutes to Pritchard, um, who will bring them shooting and who won't be ISO heavy and will provide spacing and all that and won't be a ball stopper so yeah i i I don't know that the the value he had by the end of his tenure was weird like clearly that just not a lot of teams wanted him um i think we've got we've got another oh oh we've got june june is the prime time caller Another man who has come on the podcast and shitted on me. June, what you got for us? Hey, what's going on, man? How are you? Pretty good. Um, yeah, I just want to top on and say I I really enjoyed the deadline from Brad. Um, I thought he had, I think based on what I read and based on what he said, he had like multiple goals that he needed to accomplish that I wasn't sure if he was going to be able to pull off. And I think he did, right? Like for the first, like one goal was to get under the luxury tax and he did. I mean, I don't really give a shit about that because Wick has a lot of money, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> and then two, like with how they've been playing, he, you know, there was some need for a short term upgrade, right. To like, I guess tell the J like, let the Jays know, like, we're not going to just like 
punt on seasons because we built a shitty roster for you, right? Like, um, and I think they accomplished that by basically getting Derek White, who's, I mean, to me, clearly a better player than Josh Richardson or Dennis Schroeder. And there was a report saying they're also trying to open up minutes for, you know, Aaron Neesmith and Payne Pritchard. They also did that because basically they traded away two perimeter players into one better one. So now... And all of their bench. Yeah, and so now Aaron Neesmith or Peyton Pritchard is going to play. And Derek White is basically a big point guard, and Peyton Pritchard is basically a tiny two guard, in my opinion. So, like, they could play together, right? And I think the most important part Brad Stevens kept on saying was, yeah, but all the moves have to be aligned for, like, the next championship team, Um, which basically sounded to me like we have to do everything to make sure that we could still get a third star. Um, and I think the shooter ties trade to me, based on what his value was, was it seemed like it was geared towards that because a lot of the names I heard were basically expiring contracts in a second, right? Like Dante's DiVincenzo's expiring this year. So like, even if they got Dante or like a Troy Brown or whoever, who's not a big and theoretically could play in the rotation more seamlessly than Tice, right? Because they're expiring, like you can't, get those tra- those deals involved in any kind of trade in the offseason. Where Tice, yeah, he's a little overpriced at eight. I think eight a year, nine a year. But like Dennis Schroeder, like if you re-signed him, he, it, the max the Celtics could have offered was like seven, I think. Right? So I think in that sense, it's nice, it's nice to have a contract in Daniel yeah. Tice that you could just include in a trade, right? Like it's not a free agent. So you know you could move that. And I think they're probably not going to pay Al Horford $27 million next year, right? So in the case that Al Horford is, quote-unquote, the, tr- the salary that needs to be included in, in a potential trade for a third star, uh, maybe someone from St. Louis who has a player option that he could opt into and ask for an opt-in and trade and have a 15% trade bonus that basically makes him, that lets him not lose any money, right? Because... He opts in. He opts in. If if they pull off that opt in and trade with that fifteen percent bonus, you think, and then he extends on top of that, his number would basically be the same as signing a five year max with, with with Washington. So I think all of that considered, like, I think he accomplished all of that. So I was pretty hyped about that. I think the only downside is, yeah, there's three centers on the roster, um, so like you do need Aaron Smith or Payne Pritchard or like some guy who comes in to fill one of the five roster spots to be a legitimate rotation player on the perimeter. But outside of that, end of 2028 first-round pick that people are sad about the Celtics are going to be sad about. I don't really care about that. So, But I, I, I was pretty happy with, with the deadline. June, June, you are a legend. You are, you are better at this than, than I am. I don't want to put B Rob in, into that because I I won't put. We gotta look out for our jobs here, Jay. With fifth June around, this is spring. June comes on the show every time and makes me feel bad. I'm like <laughs> I'm like, damn, this dude just comes on the show and he's better than I am. And uh, and I think I think I do think there's confidence that at least Pritchard will be able to play minutes, um, because he has. You know, whenever he's gotten a real chance, whether it was last season. Or this year when when Schroeder was out, like he's looked good and he's shot the ball really well. 
And so I think there's confidence from the Celtics that he'll be ready for that. Uh, the other part that you brought up, June, that that I think was was important here is kind of the human aspect of this. And and you you said you know you 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 want to show Tatum and Brown that you're not going to punt on a season. I also think it's important for those guys to feel that you know after a season and a half of really difficult circumstances that finally things are going right and the Celtics are invested in making things going more right you know like like they they dealt with a lot of criticism over the past year and a half and finally they're on a team that that's cruising finally you know the the overreactions from everybody are going you know in the Celtics favor <laughs> you look on Twitter and it's like be, people going crazy about how well they're playing and, and this and that and it's like everyone had been overreacting the other way for a long time and so I, I think it's it's important for Tatum and Brown to to feel some more of that um so we'll see I mean we'll see how it this all ends up going and and we'll see how White fits, and we'll see if if he does make them any closer to succeeding in the playoffs, which is obviously the goal. But but they're trying, and it's it is crazy. They only have ten guys on their roster right now. Like that's fucking insane. <laughs> that's truly insane. What's your uh, Bruno Fernando will be missed. Bruno, I've, I mean, I've got to tell a Bruno Fernando story because this is the last time really to tell a Bruno Fernando story. Let's hear it. Um, when we're in when we were in Orlando, they sit you courtside, and so we were right near the Celtics bench, and Mo Bamba caught the ball, and I, f- I think it must have been Schroeder guarding him in the post, and Fernando was just calling out, "He's soft, he's soft," about <laughs> Mo Bamba, and then, and then Bamba Bamba screwed. I forget whether Bamba missed a shot or whatever happened. Um, Bruno called out. I think he said, "Told you he's soft." <laughs> and then, then Bamba drew drew a couple free throws a few plays later, and Bruno shouted out, "He's still soft." And so, Bruno was electric on the sidelines. He was he was just chirping at guys. Uh, so I enjoyed that about Bruno Fernando. I will miss that part of the Bruno Fernando experience. And what a way to go out with that dunk against Brooklyn too. The, the was, nice garbage time like, dunk. And Freedom went out with a three ball from the corner. That's right. That was his last shot for the Celtics. That was, it was like George Costanza just walking off on the, on the high <laughs> note. That's it. Leave the That's room. That's it. That's wild. That's wild. We've got uh, a couple more callers, and then uh, we'll let you get off, B-Rub. I know it's really late. Um, ben D, you are on stage, my man. What you got for us? You've been waiting for a little while. Hey, um, How are you? the first thing I want to say is that uh, I'm I'm also glad to get a bit of a break from from Jam after he totally <laughs> totally just shat on on my my lack of an idea for a John Collins trade. But you know, uh, the other thing I want to say is that I love the the Danny <laughs> Thighs trade because I love Danny Thighs. I know he's he makes way too much money. But, like, I kid you not, like, I heard about the Danny Thighs trade, and I called my dad. I'm like, you're not going to believe what just happened. And everybody was just cheering. Like, everybody – I feel like everybody just loves that guy. So, I'm excited to have him. My mom was really excited, too. 
my mom called me this afternoon and asked me uh, if the Celtics got rid of anybody she loves. And I told her, no, they didn't. Uh, <laughs> well, I said they did get Daniel Tice, though, and she was fired up. She's a big Daniel Tice fan. So Yeah, something about getting rid of Dennis and picking up thighs, like, in the same trade was just, like, poetic justice. I just loved it. That's all I had to say. But, yeah. <laughs> App- appreciate that call. And uh, it, it's kind of sad that Packard wasn't here on the day that Dennis got traded. It, it was a big I'm day surprised he's not calling in or anything right now. Like, he, he's – it's his birthday. It's a birthday dinner. He's so, celebrating. He's celebrating the dentistry. <laughs> right. I mean, he must be going nuts somewhere out there. He's really celebrating the the dentistry. Okay, we got one last caller. I, I don't know how how to Rowdy Roddy Roddy. Yep, Roddy. How are you, man? Good. How's it going? So Not I just bad. wanted to say, um, yeah, Derek White. I really like the. The acquisition there. Um, I think they did give up like the picks, and that hurts a little bit. But then we had, you know, you had Josh Richardson, who's not going to be much for the Spurs, who are like rebuilding, and Langford, who they have to make a decision in like a year or so. So I did think we had to give him something, but he's a really good cutter. Um, seems like he's a good passer. He might not be a good shooter, but. One thing I hate about Dennis was he he just did like the pace went down as soon as Smart left the floor and Dennis came in. Hopefully that stays up and then yeah. we'll see what happens. I think they're going to need a backup three or two. So I think what Brad was thinking was Pritchard was better last year off the ball. So hopefully um, White and Smart run the point and Pritchard's more like a spot up shooter. Or, hey, Pritchard played great when Jeff Teague was next to him. There yeah, yeah, exactly. Know, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> we had Kemba yeah. and uh, and Smart and whatever, but he was more of a knockdown shooter. I don't know if he's as comfortable just running the whole offense. You know what I mean? Um, so agreed for sure. But at the three, when one of the Jays comes out, it's gonna be a little tough. I don't know if we can. Maybe that's where he's trying to push E-Mate to play Neesmith or Hauser or whoever we can sign off the streets. I don't know. But, yeah, I do think it's a good – Brad, you could tell he was upset last year when they gave away Tice and Javante Green for nothing. He kind of gave away – like, improved the rotation guys but, and then just gave away the, the end of rotation. Like, um, and just tried to keep a competitive team and, and avoid the tax at the same time. So I, I really like the, the moves. Yeah, yeah, I think this, the Celtics got better. We'll see how much better they got. Uh, and we'll see if if the Tice trade and everything else was worth it. Um, but but I, I definitely think they got better, and I definitely think that that White should be a a good fit. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. One last call, Kyle. Kyle, what you got for us? Hey Jay, how you doing? How are you, Kyle? Doing good. Uh, not a huge fan of the picks being moved, but I like the white acquisition. Uh, if they think that he's the guy, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm all right. I'll, I'll trust the process. My biggest thing is that does trading for Tice open up the opportunity, and I'm petrified for it, open up the opportunity to more double big lineups with Tice at the four? Because those never worked two years ago, and I'm petrified that those are going to be a new thing. <laughs> I don't think that will happen again. 
Um, B Rob, do you? No, I think Grant Williams hopefully will protect against that. But you never, I mean, you never know. He may likes to double bigs a little bit at least to start the game. So <laughs> he may. He may sometimes put, like, Freedom and Robert Williams out there together. There were a couple of times that happened. But that was normally when everyone had COVID. So, yeah, I, I don't think that'll happen. I, I think – but if it does, like, Robert Williams' ability to guard fours at least makes it a little more palatable defensively. Um, And – Offense, but I, offensively, I just don't think it it works out. So I, I don't think they'll do that. I don't think they want to do that. Um, maybe sometimes if if they have a shorthanded roster or whatever, they'll use it for a little while. But I think the double bigs is pretty strictly Horford and Robert Williams. I would hope so at this point. I think Tice is more <laughs> to your point. Like I think Tice is insurance, um, and a way to keep the minutes off. Horford and Rob, which I think both they during this hot run they've been playing a lot, which is great. But I think sustaining that for a full season would be probably asking a lot of both. And so now you at least have a little uh, reliable backup plan as opposed to you know Ennis Freedom on that front. Yeah, and I think once you get to the playoff, like let's say you play Joel Embiid, it's going to be tough for Horford to play a ton of minutes in that matchup. Right, like just going to be physically taxing, and you're going to need a backup who can stay on the court um and i i don't know if tice is the guy to go <laughs> tice, tice, <laughs> but at least till the rest of your defense like it's tice against the the sixers backs up will work better on that front at least when um in those minutes that mb isn't playing yeah okay last question you gotta give brad a grade for his trade deadline today what are you giving him I'm going B. Um, I think he, I like him doing stuff to help now and to have guys that are here for the future. Um, the price point for both of the major trades is could be considered questionable. I mean, time is going to really tell the tale on that front. But I like both the players he brought back in. So all things considered, you know, I'll go. I'll go with a solid B there. What do you got? Yeah, that sounds about right. Like Derek White, Derek White's not an A. No, you know, <laughs> like Derek White doesn't thrust them into being a title favorite. He doesn't totally change their trajectory, um, but he allows them to build on what they've done well lately, and see if that formula, see how well that formula can work when you can tap into more of it. And so, and they kept, they kept their future first round picks which i think is important too um and we're able to find a upgrade for the bench and now they just gotta go sign a few guys (laughs) 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 all right thanks so much b rob i appreciate you coming on i know it's late as hell Uh, i know you've had a long day how many stories did you write today Uh, i think we had about like seven um, so I'm just trying to, I mean, you set the standard for us at Mass Life, Jay. So we have to, we've been trying to, to fall in your footsteps there on the, the yeah, sorry, side. bro. Yeah. So thanks a lot. No, sorry. I was like, way too much when I was a young buck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but this is a lot of fun. Yeah. Man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Everyone should go listen to, it's still called the winning plays podcast, right? 
yeah, winning plays pod. If you want to hear what Danger Card had, think about the trade. Um, I was going to make Jay come on, but you know he doesn't listen to other podcasts, so it'll make him do both on, on one night. So, but check it out for sure after you listen to this. For sure, for sure. All right, thanks a lot, B Rob. That's it for this episode of Anything Is Potable. I appreciate all you listener guys as well. Packard will be back next time, so I don't have to to do this beginning and ending shit. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.